So thank you for uh, thank you for the time. I've enjoyed our series on what is truth, and uh, I believe that uh, we're gonna. Uh, what's probably going to end up happening is we're going to take a we're going to take a Christmas break, and uh, and then we're gonna uh, most likely we're gonna continue uh, this uh, this series in the in the new year, and uh, as we are, I've really honestly all of these messages, kind of so far even even today, uh, is really kind of more foundational. Uh, and uh, for really for the series, we've been looking at all different kinds of things uh, through this. And uh, so uh, this morning, I've got a kind of a provocative title, and the title is this, War in the Church. War in the Church. Now, it's not exactly uh, what you're thinking. You and I, we shouldn't be at war with one another. Uh, that's, not what, uh, that's not what I want to get across. But uh, I believe once, uh, well, once we get done, here this morning, I think that, uh, that you and I will understand, uh, hopefully, what uh, is entailed with the title. Postmodernism, which is certainly what we've been looking at over the, over the last several weeks, is at its very core an assault on all truth and especially the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus tells us in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so postmodernism is this, you know, kind of this, this idea that you and I, we, we abandon uh, this, uh, th- this orthodoxy. And uh, certainly uh, what has happened is the postmodern mind and the way of thinking has crept its way uh, into, in, into the church. It's crept its way uh, into the, uh, you know, just in, into the understanding of the orthodoxy or the foundational truths with which what the Bible teaches and with which what you and I should hold to. And so the bedrock biblical convictions that are being challenged are the firm belief in the inspiration and the authority of Scripture. We talked a little bit about that last week. They are fighting and abandoning the understanding of what the true gospel is and full assurance of our salvation and a settled confidence in the lordship of, uh, of Christ and becoming uh, the, the, the Lord or uh, the kind of the author and the, and the controller of our life. They want emotion. They want however you're feeling that day to be the control. And of course, certainly the narrow exclusivity of Christ is the only way to heaven. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's, that's exclusive. That's, that's one way type of, uh, of uh, religion. And there's not all roads don't lead to heaven. And so those beliefs that you and I hold to, the, the inerrancy of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture, that Jesus is the only way and, and, and then that we can understand what the true gospel is, that doesn't quite jive with a postmodern society, a postmodern way of thinking. And so they've brought in an abandoning of orthodoxy and they've also brought in an abandoning of certainty. I don't have this uh, quote up on the uh, up on the screen, but I want to I, I want to just read something for you, and it is from a book by the name of Church Reimagined. 
Church Reimagined. It was uh, the book itself. This book is Faith Undone, and it's quoting this book written in 2005 by Doug Peggett. And here's what he says. Our attempt at being a church began in January 2000 in the small second-room floor loft in a hip little neighborhood of Minneapolis called Linden Hills. Okay? The church was actually birthed much earlier from the conversations between a few friends who shared a desire to be a part of a community of faith not only had a new way of functioning, but also generated a different outcome. At that point, I had said on more than one occasions that I didn't think that I would be able to stay Christian in any useful sense over the next 50 years. He goes on to say, this was a crisis of faith in the typical sense. I never doubted God, Jesus, or the Christian faith, and yet I had a deep sense, which has actually grown deeper since, that I needed to move into a Christianity that is somehow fit better with the world I lived in. He describes his church this way, which is called a Solomon's Porch. He says, at Solomon's Porch, sermons are not primarily about my extracting truth from the Bible to apply to people's lives. In many ways, the sermon is less a lecture of motivational speech than it is to act of poetry of putting words around people's experiences to allow them to find the conclusions for their lives. This is what is going on, hence even the title, there actually is a war in the church. You and I, we ought not to be at war with one another, but there is a war that's going on in, quote-unquote, church, churchdom. And it's this abandoning of orthodoxy, abandoning of the foundational truths, and bringing in some uncertainty that we really can't know anything for sure. But this by no means is the first time the truth war has intruded into the church. It has happened, honestly, in every major area of church history. Battles over, the church, uh, over truth were raging inside the Christian community, even in the apostolic times, the, the very birthing of the church the way that you and I know it. In fact, the record of Scripture indicates that false teachers um, have become significant any time the gospel is preached. Anytime there is trying to be an advancement of biblical truth, virtually all major uh, uh, epistles in the New Testament, they address the problem in one way or another. The Apostle Paul was constantly engaged in a battle, so to speak, against the lies of false apostles. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13 tells us, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And so Paul was telling us, hey, you need, this is what needs to be expected. It is, after all, one of the favorite strategies of Satan. You continue down through this text in verse 14 says, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. Listen to me. It takes a willful naivety to deny that such a thing 
could happen in our time. As a matter of fact, I believe that it's happening on a massive scale. Now, it's not a good time for Christians to flirt with the spirit of the age. I don't believe we can afford this morning to be apathetic about the truth that God has put in your trust and in my trust. I won't, I won't read the passage again, but the church, it's the pillar and it's the ground of truth. It's the keeper of the truth. You and I were to, were to guard that. We have been enlisted, so to speak, to, 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 to take the truth to the world, to, to guard it. It is our duty to proclaim it. It is our duty to guard it. It is our duty to, in a sense, go to war with the truth and to proclaim it to the next generation. Paul was speaking to Timothy, and he says, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, according to avoiding excuse me, profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called, which some professing have erred concerning the faith. Grace be with thee. Amen. Now, we who love Christ, we who believe the truth of his teachings must awaken to the reality of the battle that is raging all around us. Hence why I started this series where I did, just kind of to give you the foundational truths that you and I understand what we are up against and what we are dealing with. We must do our part in the war on truth, this age-old war against truth. We are under a sacred obligation to join the battle and to contend for the faith. Now, in one respect, the, the driving idea kind of behind the emerging church movement was correct. The current climate of postmodernism does represent, hear me, a wonderful opportunity for the church of Jesus Christ. And the reason why is because people are unsure about virtually everything, and they don't know where true life, where, where excuse me, where true, where, where, where truth can, where you can turn for truth. So this gives us an opportunity to represent something that is genuine, to represent something where they don't know where to look for it, and yet you and I, we can present something in a genuine fashion, contending and proclaiming the truth that has been given to us. However, let me say this, the absolute worst strategy for ministering the gospel in a climate like this is for Christians to imitate the uncertainty or to echo the cynicism of the postmodern perspective and in effect drag the Bible and the gospel into it. You and I, we need to know what we believe. And that's what this series will morph into coming into the new year. You and I, we need to know why we believe it. You and I, we can't, we can't really, uh, we, we can't be wishy-washy on it. Okay, you say, well, Ryan, you know, we, 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 we called you to be our pastor and we have you to be our pastor. And let me tell you, that is a immense privilege of mine. Thank you. I am humbled by it. And some would say, that's your job. Ryan, it's your job to contend for the faith. Ryan, it is your job to know what the Bible says. Let me just ask you just a realistic question. Am I with you at work? Yes or no? No. And let me also say, I don't know everything. I need to learn too. I need to learn a lot. And I want to continue to learn. And I want to continue to know what I believe. And so, but you and I, we go outside these walls and we are the church 
And so in a sense, the church is at war, so to speak. And you and I, we need to be properly equipped with what we believe and the truth of the word. We know truth comes down from God. It's found in Christ, found in his word. It's found in uh, what God has displayed in the, in the heavens for us. And so you and I, we can't drag the gospel down to that. Instead, we need to war against the spirit of the age with the utmost clarity, authority, and finality through God's Son. I want you to notice what God told us in Hebrews 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And so you and I, we are to, we're to, we're, we're to speak Jesus. We're to speak his truth to a world that's around us. God used to use the prophets. God used to reveal himself that way. But now you and I, we have Jesus and we have the word. And this is what we ought to proclaim. And we have an infallible record of the message, of the message in Scripture. Peter tells us, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. You and I, we live in a dark world, do we not? You and I, we've got the proper light. Well, what kind of, what kind of light do we have? Verse 20 says, knowing this first, the no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so you and I, this isn't a full message on the inspiration of Scripture. That will come. But listen, you and I, we hold the very words of God. And listen, it's a monarchy. It's not a democracy. And that doesn't jive well with this modern society. I get that. But you and I, this is the very word of God. It came as the Holy Spirit of God moved through these men that authored it or were, were, were the pen of it. Postmodernism is simply the latest expression of the world's unbelief. Its core value and uncertainty toward truth is merely skepticism. There's nothing virtuous. There's nothing genuinely humble about it. Remember, that's kind of to say, oh, you're humble if you don't really... If you don't really say anything is true, you know, you're just being humble. You're just being kind. No, you know what it is? It's proud rebellion against divine revelation. God has spoken, and people don't like what God has said. That's the reality, church. Okay, he said, Pastor, he, he kind of worked out. It, listen, we, we're at war with something here. We can't just take a cavalier, just, eh, you know, we'll just, we'll just let tomorrow play out. No, we can't do that. In fact, postmodernism's hesitancy about truth, their hesitancy, is the, exactly the opposite of what the Bible says should be the boldness of Christians. Paul tells us in Ephesians 3, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So you and I, we're able to go out into our workplaces, into our neighborhood, into our PTA meetings. Into, remember what I said? You and I, we need to be speaking truth in every single conversation. Millions upon millions of conversations. We need to be speaking the truth. We need to be speaking what is right. That's not always a conversation about their soul, but we're praying that ultimately it will get to that. But speaking truth, and you and I, we have boldness with that. 
Okay? Such assurance is given by the Holy Spirit of God himself to those who believe. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 1, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance, as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. You've got the power. It's in the truth. It's in Christ. It's in the Spirit. We need to make the most of that assurance and do not fear to confront the world with it. I know what a lot of people think. A lot of people think that's my job. A lot of people think that's Mike's job. You guys are, you guys are paid. This is what you get to do. No, it's our job. It's the church's job. It's at war. And you and I, we've got we've to sometimes got to take a kind of a, a war-type posture. The gospel message in all of its facts is a clear, definitive, confident, authoritative proclamation that Jesus is Lord and that he gives eternal and abundant life to all who believe. We who truly know Christ and have received that gift of eternal life have also received him from him a clear, definitive commission to deliver the gospel message boldly as his ambassadors. Listen, if we're not clear and distinct in our proclamation of the message, we're not being very good ambassadors. But we're not merely ambassadors. You and I, were simultaneously soldiers. We are commissioned to wage war for the defense and the dissemination of the truth in the face of countless conversations in our lives over and over and over again. Let me make this statement. We are ambassadors with a message of good news for people who walk in the land of darkness and dwell in the land of the shadow of death. If you're in darkness and you're walking in the shadow of death, you know what they need? They need good news. And men and women, you and I need to believe that what you hold in your hand or on your phone or on your iPad or memorized, hidden in your heart, the Bible is truth. We've got to believe it. We've got to hold to it. We've got we to know what it is that, is, that, 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 that has made such a difference in us. Why? Because there's people that are in darkness. There's people that are in the shadow of death. Isaiah said, Isaiah 9, 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. And we're soldiers charged with pulling down ideological strongholds and casting down the lies and the deception that's produced by the forces of Satan, by the forces of evil. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For our weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. Listen, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. For we, for though we walk in the flesh, though we're bodily, man, human, we do not war after the flesh. Guess what? Our fight's not like this. Our fight's not a it's not a physical fight. Instead, for the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal or they're not physical is what that word literally means. 
but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let me say something to you. The thought that we can usurp God and make decisions on death, on murdering people and doing types of things. Listen, those are the imaginations that need to be cast down. We need to submit once again to the Word of God. We okay? 2 Timothy 2. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. I want you to notice carefully our task as ambassadors is to bring good news to people. Our mission as soldiers is to overthrow false ideas. We must keep these objectives straight. We are not entitled to wage war against people. Don't ever put a face to the enemy. People that murder babies, hear me, hear me, hear me. They're not your enemy. The spirit of the age that brought them, Satan, that brought them to that place where they submitted to that, that's your enemy. How do we confront the the, 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 the sins of our society where, where, where men are changing the way that, the, 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 that God made them into becoming a woman and a woman becoming a man and where, where, where men are marrying men and women are marrying women. How do, we, how do we change a culture like that? Listen, you don't fight the person. You speak truth to the person. You give good news to the people. And you fight with work, like soldier-like, to the ill truth that people are buying into. I feel like I've I feel like I've utterly failed this morning in the message, but let me just let me just close this way. Nick, don't even worry about anything else, okay? Let me just close this way. I am not in any way, listen, I'm not in any way trying to produce a bunch of men and women at Redwood that are militant towards people. No, 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 no. Be loving and kind and compassionate and love people. Jesus, he, he's, he, he's brought a woman that is caught in the very act of adultery. No doubt she probably had no clothes on. And Jesus is ministering to this woman that has, that has been caught in the very act of adultery. And they talk about, you know, the different, you know, the different spouses and this and that. And here's what, here's what happened. He begins to write in the sand and, you know, all of the accusers end up leaving. And he says to the woman, where is thine accusers? They're all gone. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Now go sin no more. 
That's the type of way that you and I, we need to react to people. We need, we need to be loving. You hearing me? We need to love the person, the person that is a transgender. You following me? We need to deeply love the person that their identity has gotten so wacky in this postmodern world that you would love that person enough to give them the good news of Jesus Christ and every day of your life fight against the lies. That's what we war against, men and women. The lies, not people. Jude understood it. Got to contend for the faith. But you do it in a way that is loving, compassionate. If nothing else, here's what I'm going to ask the Lord to do. I'm going to ask the Lord to break your heart for people that have been sold a bill of goods their entire life. And one of the reasons why the lies are having so much power is because men and women will not stand against the lies. But if you and I are going to be able to stand against the lies, we've got to know what the truth is, right? And you and I, 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 I pray that Redwood would be full of men and women that are loving to people, ambassadors to people, giving good news to people. And then with every breath and with every day of our life, we withstand the lies. How do you withstand the lies? With truth. The light shines into the darkness. The light shines into the shadow of death. Here's what it is. Love people. Fight the air. And if we'll do that, I believe Redwood can be seen as a church that cares about people. Not just cares about being right. I don't want that. If you've got the truth, you don't have to be mean and nasty at all. You can give the good news. But we got to know what we believe. And that's kind of where we're heading in this series. Let's have